Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. The sham trial continues in New York City against former President Donald Trump. Tim Scott is out of the race. Nikki Haley says she's surging as the Republican establishment rallies behind her. And can we fix cancel culture? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. If you'd like to weigh in on a busy Monday afternoon, of course, every day is busy these days and the holidays are right around the corner, which is amazing, but we don't seem to settle down for a moment. And a big part of the reason why is because we have, obviously the Middle East is blowing up before our faces right now. The United States of America telling Israel how to, how to, uh, run the war and a lot of countries are doing that in the same exact way and more people are criticizing barack obama for his statements that yeah you know what israel um no nobody's uh, clean here and equating what israel has done did which is to stage a horrible horrible vicious terrorist attack that was very deliberate against israel 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in today on everything we are discussing plus uh that democrat county commissioner her name is felicia franklin she was found wasted and passed out on the street according to a police body cam footage and apparently this is a election official who was assaulting people um assaulting people trying to help her so uh we'll talk more about that too but obviously the trial against donald trump in georgia also continues forward um just things are things are nuts but cancel culture and it rears its ugly head everywhere what do we do about it well there's a great organization right here in philadelphia called fire the foundation for individual rights and expression and greg lukayanoff is the president and ceo of fire he's also the author of a brand new book the canceling of the american mind and he joins me now greg thanks for making time for me how are you thanks for having me back i'm doing pretty good and unfortunately free speech business is booming 
It is booming, and, and we appreciate uh, all the great work FIRE does. We appreciate everything you guys uh, do to fight for the First Amendment. It's just a shame that it's consistently under attack in such a way. You changed the name. Last time yeah. you were on the show with me, when I butchered your last name, but I nailed it this time, uh, used to be <laughs> FIRE, same same acronym, but used to stand for something different, and then you broadened it. Um, tell us why. Yep. So we used to be the foundation for individual rights in education because our focus was um, uh, primarily uh, just free speech, economic freedom, due process, and higher ed. But uh, 2020 was such a bad year for free speech. It was definitely probably the scariest year that we'd seen in terms of case submissions. We still haven't matched it. Um, So we realized that not only was it bad on campus, but it was bad kind of all over the rest of American society. So we decided that. Uh-oh, I think we're, I think we, I think Greg's breaking up, Matt. Greg, are you there? I'm going to call him right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I can hear you kind of, you're kind of breaking up a little bit, Greg. Uh, you know, what we'll do is we'll try to get you back on the on on the show. The kind of a bad connection there. I don't know. Maybe he's in a tunnel or something. But we'll we'll work on getting him on uh, right back. So there you go. It's an important topic. So canceling of the American mind is very important. We want to make sure we can focus on it and actually hear Greg. So ironic that the guy who's fighting for free speech. Uh, can't be heard b- because of his own cell phone connection. So there is a little bit of irony in that, but that's okay. We we like irony. The book is Cancel Culture, The Canceling of the American Mind, How Cancel Culture Undermines Trust and Threatens Us All, But There Is a Solution. And we do like solutions to these problems. And that is a key point. I should mention to you, you know, as we're looking at all this happening, we have a lot of cancel culture still on American colleges today. That's why FIRE was started in the first place. Um, the very same people that for years were trying to shut down speakers and shut down comedians and shut down college professors and people that would come as guest lecturers on campus. We talked to just the other day, I mean, our own friend uh, who is a prominent spokesperson, the vice president of the Davis Institute at the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Victoria Coates, her appearance at Princeton, she couldn't even advertise it because there was such an attempt to cancel her speech. All right, Greg is back. Greg Lukianoff, the president and CEO of FIRE and the author of the brand new book, The Canceling of the American Mind. So, Greg, let's talk about cancel culture. When you say cancel culture, how do you define it? Uh, We define it as the uptick since 2014 and accelerating in 2017 of campaigns to get people fired, deplatformed, expelled for speech that would be protected by the First Amendment. And what we mean by that is for like a public employee. So we try to actually bring in a lot of nuance from the law into a short definition and the culture of fear that resulted from all these people losing their livelihood for giving their opinion. Yeah, and losing your livelihood is, is a thing. And, and part of the intimidation factor, I think, of course, is the government wants you to see that and know you could you could lose your livelihood. And that's another way for them to keep you to be good little boys and girls and not step out of line. Um, that's also a problem. Oh, absolutely. And in some cases, it's not the government. Well, what, the, the sad thing about my first book, uh, my, my last book, Coddling the American Mind with Jonathan Haidt, and this new book is unfortunately a lot of these bad habits actually follow Gen Z. Um, that the, the council culture really hit campus around 2014, and then it started working into the business world as they were graduating from college. And one of the reasons why, and this is one of the reasons why, I made sure that my co-author is the brilliant 23-year-old Gen Z herself, uh, Ricky Schlott, because she makes the point that essentially a lot of these cancel culture norms, this way of 
winning arguments without winning arguments, just kind of scaring the other person or vilifying them or getting them punished for something unrelated, were tactics that basically were developed in junior high schools <laughs> from 2007 on up and started hitting campuses with this very uh, technologically um, adept generation. But she's, But she always likes to point out, it may be that Generation Z um, is often part of cancel culture, but they also, statistically speaking, and the data, hate cancel culture the most. So there is hope. Well, that's good, because I was really disappointed to hear how a lot of people in college today favor things like speech codes, for example, hate speech codes. And, you know, the idea that words can hurt you, words are weapons. And so they have to silence people along the lines of that. You talk about how cancel culture is such a phenomenon that it it becomes so pervasive. But you also offer solutions, which is good, because I think, you know, we know the problem. The the question is, how do we overcome it? It's a big threat to democracy. And how do we beat it? How do we push back? Well, we spent a third of the book talking about how, um, because we think it is such a hard problem to solve, um, and we give advice to parents, just like we did in Colleen, The American Mind. You know, the, it's, a, it's partially a parenting book. I have a five- and a seven-year-old myself, and about things you can teach them, not so much to not get canceled, but to not themselves be cancelers. Things as simple as stick up for your friends, and then if you're really good at it, stick up even for people who aren't your friends, which is, uh, unfortunately, that kind of bravery of defending, you know, even your even your loved ones in the face of cancer culture hasn't been there. We talk about how you can keep your corporation out of cancel, cancel culture. That, that's one that I think everybody who has a company should read because a lot of the students who are graduating, particularly from elite colleges, show up and then they want you to either take positions um, on political uh, issues that you might not want to or fire key employees because they don't like their politics or the way they talk. Uh, but the most important part, uh, and we also have solutions for K through 12, which is based on something that I call empowering of the American mind, uh, a, a list of principles around which I think K through 12 reform should be sought out. Um, I've even become pro voucher at this point to get like, which was a, a big change uh, for, for my previous position. But the stickiest one is what to do about higher ed. Uh, and I don't want to mince words. Higher ed needs big time reform. We need huge experimentation so that there's a completely other ways that people can get an education because like this behemoth is just dysfunctional in so many ways. You know, University of Pennsylvania, second to last in our campus free speech ranking. And our campus free speech ranking is no joke. Nate Silver just did a piece on how excellent our, our, our data is you know, uh, deriving from it. We do 13 different factors. It's the largest survey of student opinion on free speech ever uh, assembled. We've got four databases of professor, student uh, cancellations, deplatforming, and speech codes. And we put them all together. And guess who was dead last? Harvard. Um, and it really <laughs> earned its way there. So the last three were Harvard, Penn, second to last, Georgetown, and then interestingly, University of South Carolina. So it can kind of show you how sometimes the data can surprise you. Uh, No school in the Ivy League did well at all. Um, Yale did very badly as well. Um, Stanford did a little bit better. um, And the only like really prestigious schools that were at the very top were University of Virginia um, and University of Chicago. But I think you can actually encourage a big change on campus if people were to look at the, the excellent data we have there and be like, you know what? I'm going to send my kid to a technological school in Michigan, for example. Michigan Technological University actually finished number one. 
um, send, send them some work entirely else, or or if you really you know um, if you really want to do you know the world a favor, send send your kid to the U, the new University of Austin uh, liberal arts experiment going in Texas because I think we need big ideas because even if it was just on cost and bureaucratization alone, there's something profoundly wrong with American higher education. But you add in um, what we're seeing on campus right now, a lot of intolerance you know all over the place. I think we should really be thinking about big solutions. Greg Lukainoff, I agree with you. I think college has become indoctrination camp for cancel culture. And it's a problem because the free speech movement was literally founded on the campus of the University of Berkeley in the late 60s. Where, where does Berkeley rank in all this? Uh, uh, not, I think they're in the bottom. Uh, I think they're in the top half, so they don't do too badly. Um, but it's also important to remember that, you know, right after the free speech uh, movement, 1964 started, the campus anti-free speech movement started by Herbert Marcuse in 1965 with a book called Repressive Tolerance began at, I think, UC San Diego. Um, or, uh, and then he, he, was, he was a Marxist professor who, who had this idea that I, I just can't get over the fact that people take this guy seriously, like because apparently he's a nice writer or something. He, he was considered the guru of the new left in the 1970s. But his argument in Repressive Tolerance is to have a truly free and equal society, we need to have a kind of authoritarian state or totalitarian even that clamps down on so-called conservative speech because and which works out to be something as, as, as simplistic as my side is good and should have freedom of speech your side oh no you're aggressive and we need we need massive state power in order to uh, repress you because you're aggressive and this is something that you still you, has, has actually become um, kind of, uh, it sort of snuck in. It used to be kind of laughed at uh, on campus after, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union and all this kind of stuff. But it really has come back with a vengeance, this anti-free speech attitude. I mean, it's, it's terrifying to think that there are people like this who put these ideas out there and they catch on because I, I can't name a totalitarian society that actually has freedom of speech. But I guess it's sort of the point. And so in, in your in your new book, as you talk about how to fight back against this, I, I like what you said about teaching people, particularly young people, not to become cancelers. I like that yeah. idea. My, my son has just turned nine. I also have a seven year old and I have a three year old. And I think that mm-hmm. that's an important point. Let's teach a generation how not to be become the cancelers. That's a great idea. Yeah. And one of the things we point out is like where, where to start with, uh, and we, we talk about the antidote to cancel culture is free speech culture. And people always ask, what is free speech culture? And I could talk all that. Might, that might be my next book. But one of the things we, we explain is, but we already have sayings that re- reflect what free speech uh, culture is. And, and here's the really disturbing thing is that my uh, my co-author, the 23-year-old, she basically never heard these things growing up. But you, you'll recognize all this stuff, which is everyone's entitled to their opinion, uh, to each their own, um, don't judge a book by its cover, all of these kind of old, small-D democratic ideas that actually made a lot of sense to us. You know, walk a mile in a man's shoes, for example. All these things that remind us to check ourselves, that we don't know everything, and we got to be understanding of other people, and they absolutely have a right to their opinion – these things are barely said anymore. And actually, I think there's a lot of attitudes on both K through 12 and, and, and educate and higher education that, that would like to utterly dismiss them. But I think that, that we, when you're, when you're starting from square one, we should look back to these old, beautiful ideas of how you actually live in a free and democratic society. 
The canceling of the American mind. Greg Lukianoff is with me right now. How cancel culture undermines trust and threatens us all, but there is a solution. When, when you talk about corporations, too, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, corporations now, are walking on eggshells all the time. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and it's a problem. And, and, and uh, what's your advice to companies? Is it just stay the hell out of politics? Just kind of stay, stay out of it as opposed to picking sides? You know, I'd say the the piece that wasn't in the book in, in the book that that really should have been there is make sure you don't hire, you don't hire a canceller in the first place. Make sure that the people you're hiring aren't the kind of people who will show up and demand that it's their way or the highway. And that's actually a good argument in some cases for not hiring as much from elite higher ed because that's that, that that tends to typify you know some of the graduates of these schools is they think that that the school that, that their corporation must adopt their politics. And when I think about what other companies have done, you know, uh, make sure that when you're when your employees come in, say, listen, we don't take political positions here. We like having politically diverse workplace. Uh, I don't want you like I want you to be able to handle that. I want you to be fine with the, the, the fact that we don't take political positions. You also want to make sure that you have a good relationship with human resources, because I've seen a number of human resources employees who kind of act like their job is more or less to empower this new search of, of, of students to sort of circumvent your own company. So you, you got to be really careful who you, who you hire for HR. And like Coinbase is an example that we use where when they, he made the announcement, listen, we're not taking political positions on things. We're just not doing that. And here's a severance to anybody who doesn't like that. And I think it was something like 5% of his employees actually took the severance. But here's the good news. Then you get the 95% who actually want to do the jobs and uh, respect to each their own and work in an environment where they actually can have, you know, a coworkers who they who vote for different people. I mean, just we just have mutual respect and tolerance of other people's opinions. Well, yeah, exactly. And also, and this is one thing that we think universities are starting to learn is that by taking political positions, um, you're basically saying that there's an orthodoxy at this place. And that's one of the reasons why corp- and corporations can do that, too. They can say, like, listen, this, this place um, it, uh, essentially you know, re- rejects some, something about Trump, and it, but it ends up ultimately saying kind of like we're, we're a closed shop. We, we, we believe the following you know, list of things. And I think that's ultimately kind of dangerous for a democracy because, yeah, you have the freedom of association to run your corporation how you want. Um, but if every company in the country becomes a place like it, seemed, like it started to seem like it was becoming in 2020 and 2022, where you weren't just a widget factory, you're also a place with political opinions that you can get fired or punished for disagreeing with. That's uh, that's a disaster for, for democracy because it basically means we'll have a First Amendment, but people can actually have a livelihood and say what they actually think. Yeah, exactly right. It's, it becomes a fake First Amendment at that point. Everybody just shuts up and um, keeps their opinions to themselves at, at all times, too. And, and then I have to ask you what I think was one of the biggest ultimate cancel culture moves by the Biden administration was that time that Merrick Garland sent out that school board's letter, letting parents know that, you know, they just to make sure they're not domestic violent extremists, the FBI might be watching. And that I think that had a very chilling effect on speech because the parents were at the time were fired up about COVID, fired up about a lot of things, speaking out at these school board meetings. But nobody wants to even imagine the concept of the FBI showing up at their door. So they're 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 terrified by that. But that gets to the heart of what really, I think, drives cancel culture. And so much is it's just the it's the intimidation game. The process is the punishment. And if we can just kind of put you through hell or make you think you might go through hell, you'll keep your mouth shut. Yeah, no. And that's the thing. If you don't have to punish 
you know, a thousand people in order to get people to shut up. You just really have to punish one. But in the book, we talk about more than a thousand examples of people trying uh, trying to oftentimes students trying to get professors in trouble and really succeeding in about two thirds of the cases, getting them punished in some way. The scariest stat uh, that we found, and, and one thing is cancel culture is much more concentrated at elite schools, which is bad for the country because we choose uh, you know, some of our top leaders uh, and, and, and corporate leaders from a relatively limited number of schools. Now, one thing I've been saying, watching this kind of donor revolt against higher ed, is that if this means that more corporations will stop hiring from some of these elite colleges, I think that would actually be good for the country. Um, you know, it might make some Penn students and Harvard students uh, mad, but at the same time, there's a sense of entitlement that they're entitled to kind of like the best jobs in the country. But until you kind of break that stranglehold with like the like super duper high paying groups, when when it, when uh, Harvard and, and Yale, et cetera, start realizing, oh, wait a second, actually, we can find much better employees, uh, just as smart and hard, uh, and maybe even more hardworking, but not the kind of people who will show up and, and, and bring cancel culture to my corporation from any number of these these other schools, I think that would be exactly the message that these schools who are so used to being on top need to hear. Last question for you. This is a, a listener who just uh, asked me this question. Her daughter is looking at High Point University in North Carolina. How did, how did they do? That's a great question. I got to look that up. Um, so uh, w- while I'm doing this, uh, you can go to thefire.org and check out our CFSR, our Campus Free Speech rank- Ranking. Um, I don't, okay. Um, uh, sorry. I, I don't, I didn't, no, have I didn't right catch you off guard. I just figured it's, it's rare yeah. to get the guy behind the college uh, free speech report. So I didn't expect you to be able to rattle off every school necessarily by name, but you know, some might stand out in your head. That's all. Yeah. High, high point. The fact that high point didn't make a huge impression on me is probably a good sign, but there is actually a good chance they're not even in it because if there's something we really need to do is we need to make the campus free speech ranking twice as big as it currently is because right now everyone's trying to figure out what schools are good and bad on freedom of speech. And yeah, actually, no, it looks like it's not even in the, we, we, the list is not yet big enough to include high point um, that we, it needs to be at least the top 500 schools, but that's, you know, that's expensive. Um, and that's something that I hope to be able to do in the coming years because it's just getting more important that people know that some of these schools are disasters from free speech. Some of them are doing a pretty good job and you should send your kids to the ones doing a pretty good job. (laughs) No question about it. And you should check out Greg's book too, because it's very, very important. The canceling of the American mind, Greg Lukianoff, cancel culture undermines trust. You can get it everywhere. Books are sold, order it today. Uh, Great job on this, my friend. Great job at all the work fire is doing. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's always lovely to be on with you, man. Appreciate it, buddy. And uh, as we continue along the show today and fighting the good fight for freedom of speech and all kinds of rights, absolutely, uh, I want to mention to you that, you know, one of the key things that we're all dealing with every single day in this country, every day, is the right to express our opinions. Now, the people that do that uh, the most nowadays, it seems to be, in terms of canceling, happen to be on the left. We we know this. We see it. College campuses, we see it with Democrat politicians. We see it where they want to shut somebody down and silence somebody. Um, I think as Republicans, as conservatives, as libertarians, we have to really push back against that and make sure that we don't fall into that trap too, which is an important point. Uh, as we continue along the show today, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I want to thank my buddy, Dr. Mike Venari, 
area for hosting me this weekend at his veterans breakfast. I'll tell you what, talk about the people that fight for liberty and fight for freedom. He had an amazing selection of veterans, including a guy, a United States Marine who was in Lebanon when they bombed the embassy. Unbelievable. Uh, met some great people. Dr. Mike really cares about our veterans, and he cares about them tremendously, which is why he does his Veterans Day breakfast every year. But he also cares about his patients, no matter what. He puts care ahead of everything, and that's why you and your family should reach out to my buddy and my dentist, Dr. Mike Venaria. In fact, right now, no joke, Bridget is taking the kids to see Dr. Mike. I think it, I think Patrick has the appointment today. Maybe Claire, I forget. But Patrick and Claire are on their way to go see Dr. Dr. Mike right now for their appointment. So when I tell you my whole family goes to see Dr. Mike, I mean my entire family goes to see Dr. Mike Venaria, but Mama Zuli discovered him and she deserves all the credit for that as well. She really does. Um, and the reason why is because of the care and commitment. So if you've been contemplating a big invasive dental procedure and you're nervous, don't be. Reach out to Dr. Mike for a free consultation second opinion. Dr. Venaria has been delivering results that surpass expectations and that has made him a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. He is one of the most respected reputations among his peers as a master of dental implants. And you have a choice, a clear choice to make when it comes to you and your family and your dental care. So give Dr. Venaria a call today. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. He has two locations to serve you right over the bridge in Cinnaminson and Woodbury. Schedule your free implant consultation today for your perfect smile. Call 856-786-2020. 856-786-2020 or visit venariadental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A venariadental.com. And remember, when it comes to your smile, you only get one. So make it count. Make it, make it count by going to the absolute best. The dentist that my entire family trusts, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sure to follow Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on the free Odyssey app. Download it now.
struggle game. Ronna McDaniel has to go. I don't know how anybody thinks that Ronna McDaniel should be the chair of the RNC. I, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, would be a great chairman because he's young and he understands technology and how to attract younger people using those platforms. And the RNC just seems they just they just they just don't seem to be even in the fight. They really don't. And for also, too, it's not a lifetime appointment. This isn't the Supreme Court or the Pope. I don't know why Ronald McDaniel has to still be there at this point. But how many more losses do we have to endure until we say, all right, let's make some changes. Something should change. And she's still defending herself. She's defending her record. She was on this weekend um, with, with Dana Bash. Again, a big part of the problem. What Vivek Ramaswamy said at that debate, which not a lot of people watched. I mean, the ratings were very, very terrible. Even Saturday Night Live made jokes about it this weekend where they had a surprise Trump impersonator jump into the presidential debate. But look, he came out and he said it. The fact that we have Lester Holt here and Kristen Welker the, the moderating a Republican debate. I mean, these are the people that hate us. What are, we, what are you doing? Why not get the people who will actually ask the questions? Get me or Tucker or somebody else who will, who will actually challenge these candidates on what conservative voters want to ca- hear and care about. They're not, instead of just the same mainstream nonsense actually go and ask them the questions the the democrats would never ever in a million years have tucker carlson or glenn beck or me or mark levin or anybody else moderate their debate they would never do it but the, but i think ronna mcdaniel suffers from the same problem that a lot of republicans do which is that the way to be liked is to be mainstream quote-unquote mainstream and they don't realize the mainstream people hate you they're always going to hate you it doesn't matter Look at their hatred of Trump and look at the passion that Trump's voters have for him. Look at the distinction. He doesn't try to be mainstream. He doesn't he doesn't try to get them to like them. He's just himself and they like him for it. But this is this is the problem, though, is that you've got the the, the mindset of people like Ron McDaniel and other Republicans, which is, oh, if NBC says nice things about us, then that's how we'll be mainstream and that's how we'll win. NBC is not going to say nice things about you and NBC is going to trash you. They'll take the opportunity to get free publicity for themselves. But why would you want to go down that road? You're the chair of the Republican National Committee. It's a private organization. You don't have to have a debate moderated by Lester Holt and Kristen Welker. You could you could have it as you want to have it. Have Elon Musk do it. Have uh, Jordan Peterson do it. There's a million people who would have been great at that. But she will not even acknowledge that she's making any mistakes. And she didn't acknowledge this when she was on with Dana Bash over the weekend. Cut number three. Uh, He did double down Vivek Ramaswamy. He tweeted that he wants an interim chair to take over until the next RNC meeting in January. Your response? Yeah, last I checked, I wasn't running for president. You know, he's at 4%. He's looking for headlines. Uh, I think what Republicans really want to hear from our candidates right now in terms of headlines is... How are we going to take on Joe Biden? How are we going to take on the border, crime, fentanyl, restore our kids' education? What's happening with Israel? There are so many things that Republican voters, Democrat voters, independent voters want to hear from our candidates. So he can do that. That's, that's okay. But I will continue to say to everyone, we should be taking on Democrats, not each other. This circular firing squad, this attacking other Republicans, like we saw with Kevin McCarthy, like we've been seeing over and over again, it is hurting us, and we have a, a map in 2024 where we can win the White House, take back the, the, the Senate, and win the House. First of all, it, it circular firing squad, it's a, it's a pre- presidential primary. What are you talking about? And I'm glad Kevin McCarthy's gone, and that's also part of the problem, is that you want all the same mainstream people. I'm glad Vivek called her out on it. 
this circular firing squad, Republicans, you're running for the nominee. These people are running for the nomination for the Republican Party. And I think a big question that Republican voters want to know is, would you keep Ronna McDaniel's chair? She doesn't deserve to be there. So, yeah, it's a legitimate issue. And if you say yes, I don't think you should get the party support. I really don't. And there's a lot of other issues besides all those mainstream issues that she just raised that are important to Republican primary voters. She doesn't even bring it up. But look, coming up, let's talk about Israel. Steve Feldman is going to join me. He is the executive director of the Zionist Organization of America, the greater Philadelphia chapter. We'll find out the latest that's going on over there. Busy day today. A lot of great guests. Don't go away. Calling on the Zioli Army to follow 1210 WPHT on the free Odyssey app. Download it now. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Say you don't know me. I'll recognize my face. Say along the show today big show a lot of great guests some days have a lot of guests some days no guests just depends on the mood today is the day with great guests and one of them joins me right now steve feldman is the executive director of the zionist organization of america the greater philadelphia chapter uh steve thank you our mutual friend judith krupnik sent me your information i appreciate you making time today how are you i'm well it's an honor to to be on your show and i thank you for devoting time to to this important topic Absolutely. So first of all, tell us about the organization for those people who are unfamiliar with it. Thank you. So ZOA uh, was founded in 1897, so we are 126 years old. As of about a week ago, uh, we are the premier pro-Israel advocacy and information organization. We were the first and we're the best. Uh, We're very active in this area and, and nationwide. Our national president, Mort Klein, is is from our area, uh, and he's been uh, at the home for 30 years, and uh, we we do a lot of good and important work. Um, We're very candid. We're very upfront about the facts. Uh, We're not into political correctness, um, uh, and we're into uh, defeating our enemies, both both here, the the Jew hatred that that has suddenly meteorized, yeah, it's easy for me to say meteorically <laughs> rised, uh, and uh, and all of the enemies uh, trying to destroy Israel. So we're very candid about who they are, what needs to be done. Uh, we get the facts out, um, and, and that's pretty much what we do. So what are you what are you seeing right now, Steve? In terms of uh, obviously, there's a lot of Democrats who've been exposed as hating Israel. Uh, Alan Dershowitz was on the show last week with me. He made a comment that Barack Obama has been a villain in this whole thing. Uh, I thought Obama's words were awful. I think uh, even Bill Maher called them out for him Friday night for what he said, equating that what Gaza, what Hamas did to Israel, is somehow there's you know like they had it coming or something like that. Um, a lot of Democrats yeah. have been exposed. It's very obvious to see where they stand right now so 
so ZOA is, is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. So um, we don't we don't you know go after you know parties per se. We go after the positions of, of individual elected officials, and, and there have been some elements. Uh, who happen to be Democrats, uh, and I don't, I don't even know if some of these individuals consider them to be Democrats or so. They're so far to the left, they might be, they might be over the edge. But uh, they've been very hateful. It's not, it's not new for some of them. Uh, just people are paying more attention to it now, I guess, because because Israel has been in the news for the past five weeks. As far as Obama, look, he not to not to rehash history, but being in Reverend Wright's pews for twenty years and and Wright is, you know, a vicious Jew hater, uh, pushing the Iran deal, which would have led to a nuclear weapons program for Iran, and did nothing to stop their ballistic missile systems program and, and their terrorism through their proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the Houthis. So o- Obama, you know, enabled Iran. So uh, I'm not sure why Professor Dershowitz is just coming to his senses now. It's a shame. Shame he didn't realize when the rest of us did. But uh, I guess better late than never, right? Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think I, exactly the same reaction I had. Same with Bill Maher, too. I mean, Bill Maher said Obama rarely, rarely disappoints him. But the fact is that Obama was the one propping up Iran to get a nuclear program. I mean, it's one thing to stand back and say, you know, the United States isn't going to get involved. We were actively helping them do it, and it made absolutely no sense. And his comments since the attack on Israel have been just absolutely horrible. What are you seeing in terms of what is going on in Israel? I, I know you have a lot of friends there, your family there you have a lot of people who are um you're you're in contact with them on a day-to-day basis what is going on give us the latest well uh i am talking to friends i've got i've got friends throughout throughout israel and and just so your listeners know in case you haven't told them lately israel is a little smaller than the state of new jersey new jersey we're talking about a tiny country um and it's not surrounded by friends uh, as New Jersey is, the other states, uh, you know, being friends, Israel is not surrounded by friends. So Israel has been hit by almost 10,000 missiles since October 7th. A lot of people don't know that from from the Gaza Strip, from Lebanon. Uh, there are attempts to infiltrate. Terrorists are still trying to infiltrate. Uh, there are still issues in Judea and Samaria, the areas controlled by the Palestinian Authority, which has this pay-to-slay program in which uh, Palestinian Arabs are incentivized financially with with a big payday to murder Jews, and then if they do that, they or the survivors uh, get a lifetime pension, so to speak. So, you know, people are, are thinking and talking about Hamas, uh, and they seem to have their eye off the ball, which is the Palestinian Authority, which is really the PLO, Yasser Arafat's PLO. That's why when you see all these flags being waved at all these anti-Jewish and anti-demonstrations, they're PLO flags. That's that's Yasser Arafat's flag. Um, so many Americans were slaughtered in the name of that flag and by that group, and, and of course, thousands of Jews. So um, that, that's what that is. And in terms of what's going on, is Israel needs to protect its citizens and its visitors and people who were there from what's going on. I mean, in southern Israel, just just to let you and your your listeners know, again, in case you haven't informed them, the Palestinian Arabs have fired 25,000 rockets at Jewish communities in Israel over the past 22 years. There are people who have spent their whole lives running into rocket shelters, Mm -hmm. uh, kids, uh, adults. 
you know, if somebody has young kids or an infirm relative, or they're they're infirm, in some of the Israeli communities, they've had 15 seconds to get into a into a shelter. Um, so, so the whole country is, is traumatized by this. And again, people are not generally talking about it. Uh, anybody who knows the history of, of the region, of Israel, of the Jewish people, knows that that land belongs to the Jewish people as per international law. Um, there is a treaty, for example, that the United States signed 1924, recognizing uh, what the League of Nations did. So, uh, so this is all fact. So, so when when we we see that Israel is defending itself against not only the massacre of October seventh, but the entire onslaught. I mean, there were massacres of Jews by Arabs in in the city of Hebron, which was the first capital of the Jewish people. Nineteen twenty nine, over a hundred Jews were slaughtered. Uh, again, there was no Israel, there was no West Bank, there was no occupation. None of these terms that that people like to bandy about. So Israel. You know, the Israeli government after October 7th, uh, and I saw some of the footage. I was at the, the event last week where some of the raw footage was, was screened, and it was just absolutely unspeakable. And you, the, the words could not describe what, what all of us in that room saw. Uh, and people who have seen this footage everywhere have seen it. And so Israel must be able to defend itself. The Israeli people, uh, which, you know, Israel is a very diverse society, Jews, Christians, Arabs, Muslims. Uh, the Baha'i World Center is is in Haifa, Israel. Uh, Druze. I mean, Israel. Israel is such a broad section of people. Uh, also, like the United States, a melting pot, if you will. Um, and and people are living with this threat of of murder and terror um, for too long. So that that's the story in a, in a nutshell. Well, Steve Feldman, I, I appreciate you giving us the the, the view of that. It, Steve is the executive director of the Zionist Organization of America's Greater Philadelphia Chapter, and he joins me right now. Um, w- w- tell me about this boycott that's going on of local Jewish-owned businesses. I was not aware that there was a boycott, um, but you're obviously very plugged into this, so much more so than than I am. So what's what's happening? What's going on with that? So there is. Um a, a collection of um, there's something called intersectionality, where um, organizations or it's not even organizations it's it's interests really uh, people of nothing in common claim that X amount of people or certain people are against them. Uh, in this case, uh, you know Jews are considered white and having white privilege, so so it's the so-called oppressed versus the uh, uh, the oppressors. Um, so there's this collective. Um, and I'm not going to name it here, but their social media is very active. They, uh, on their Instagram um, and perhaps other social media, uh, posted a list of more than 40 Jewish-owned businesses that would claims that they're targeting them for boycotts uh, because they're "quote unquote" Zionists. I don't know that these that these businesses and business owners are, are Zionists. And Zionism, by the way, is just the Jewish people's right to self-determination. Um, it's as old as, as the Bible, frankly. So, um, so these these uh, anti-Jewish activists out there uh, posted a list of, of more than 40 businesses. Most of them are restaurants, there's supermarkets, there's a yoga studio, there's a few others, um, uh, and targeting these people just because of their religion. Uh, and it's part and parcel to a larger movement called BDS, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, which is a Palestinian Arab-founded uh, boycott movement uh, that's been around for, I guess, about 15 years. 
uh, and it's part and parcel to the original Arab boycott of Israel, which which goes back uh, before Israel was was reestablished in 1948. So boycott, you know, boycott is is a method if you want to single people out, I guess, for their their politics, but but to single people out because of their religion. I didn't think we did that in America, but apparently um, the people behind this boycott of Jews and Jewish-owned businesses have not not figured that out yet. No, it's a horrible thing to hear. It really is. And I'm glad you're you're pushing back with a boycott that you're asking people exactly. to support these organizations. And is there do you have a list on your website of these businesses so people can know and support them? Actually, we sent out an email uh, a couple Fridays in a row. Uh, I can give out our email address and I'm happy to sure. to give that out if that's okay. It's the Absolutely. word office. Thank you. Office at zoa org. That's office at zoa P-H-I-L-L-Y dot org. Uh, and on our website, we've got all kinds of fact sheets. That's uh, Philly dot Z-O-A dot org. And our national website is the word Z-O-A, uh, excuse me, www dot Z-O-A dot org. Let me ask you a question. When you, you brought up the sure. occupied territories, and this has been something we've heard about in the news recently, w- what is what does that mean? And, and explain to us what, what actually happened in terms of Israel returning land. Sure. So so first of all, uh, these areas for, for most of these areas, all these areas are mentioned in the Bible. So Jews and Christians and others who are familiar with, with the Bible know, you know, no Jerusalem, no Hebron, no Shiloh. Uh, know Bethlehem, know these places that, that are tied to the Jewish people, tied to the Jewish community throughout time, essentially. So um, after World War I, uh, the Ottoman Empire controlled those areas. Uh, they sided with the wrong people. The, words, the world said, you've got to lose your empire. Uh, the, the vast majority of the Arab world uh, in the Middle East was divided between Britain and France with a series of mandates. Um, and in 19, actually one step back, 1920, when, when the empire was broken up, the powers that be uh, gave what is today modern Israel, modern Jordan to the Jewish people for restoration of the Jewish homeland. And actually in the League of Nations, which is the forerunner of the United Nations, it clo- calls for close settlement of the land by the Jewish people. That's exactly, that's verbatim what it calls for. Uh, so uh, in 1948, uh, to skip a little bit of history, that came about. Uh, Israel was immediately attacked upon uh, declaring independence May 14, 1948, uh, by five Arab armies. Uh, Jordan invaded what they renamed the West Bank. It had always been known as Judea and Samaria. Egypt invaded uh, Israel through the Gaza Strip. Uh, and until 1967, that was a status quo. Egypt uh, and Jordan and others attacked Israel again in 67. Israel won. They drove back Egypt past, uh, way past the Gaza Strip into the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, Jordan was driven back over the Jordan River, uh, and Israel, in a defensive war, gained control of those two areas. Um, and again, that's, that's a lot of history mm-hmm. packed into to a minute. But 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 this this land in dispute Israel g- gave back and and no, why does that not get enough coverage? So in 2005, uh, Ariel Sharon, who was the prime minister, uh, decided to to give 
Gaza to the Palestinian Arabs pulled out a number of Jewish communities. I think there were 11, if memory serves me correct. Mm-hmm. About 9,000 Jews were living there. Uh, the cemeteries, the synagogues uh, were pulled out. The, the houses, all was, what was left were a bunch of greenhouses, etc. And the only Jew in Gaza at that point was an Israeli soldier who was taken hostage. He was the only Jew in Gaza. That was August 2005. Uh, and so there, there, there is no, quote, occupation of, of Gaza by Israel. Gaza shares a border with Israel and, um, and Egypt. Uh, and because Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and there are also some PLO factions down there, have been trying to weapon, weaponize Gaza. They've turned it into arsenals and rocket launchers and terror tunnels, uh, which they've used to infiltrate it to Israel before October 7th. Uh, so, no, there is no occupation there. And there is no occupation in, in Judea and Samaria, which, which is colloquially known as the West Bank, uh, which, as per the Oslo process, was div- divided into three areas, Area A, Area B, Area C. Area A is fully controlled by the Palestinian Authority. Area B uh, has civil control by the Palestinian Authority. The IDF is, is allowed to go in and pursue terrorists, and, and then there's Area C, which is where most of the Jewish communities are. But that, but that's not occupied. At worst, it's disputed. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, when the United Nations divided the land in '47, it didn't call for a Palestinian state. It called for a Jewish state and an Arab state, because back then, when people talked about Palestinians, they were referring to Jews, like the Palestine exhibit at the World's Fair in 1939 was, was all Jewish. The, the, the Palestine Symphony was Jewish. The, the sports teams were Jewish. So the Jews were the Palestinians. So there's also a case of grand identity theft going on, part and parcel with all this. You know, the history is not well, Steve, out there. I, whatever, I, I, whatever. We could talk about this for hours. I do have to run, but I, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to educate us on this and do... No, no, uh, thank you. Thank you no, for covering uh, this uh, and, uh, and thank uh, the station management. It's important. It really is. The the Zionist Organization of America, Greater Philadelphia chapter. Steve Feldman, thank you and have a, have a great day. And, you know, God bless Israel. And let's hope for the best here for them. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. God bless you and, and God bless Israel. Bye. Okay. Uh, and I want to let you know about my buddy Tom, uh, Tom Skopinich because he's a great lawyer and he's going to fight for you if you've been injured in an accident because that's the thing. If you're hurt in an accident, you got to make sure you have a guy on your side who's going to fight and represent you and give you the absolute best. And that is who Tom Skopinich is. He is going to take your case and he's going to make sure you maximize your recovery. Forget the billboard clowns. Those are the people I call them, the people, big faces on the billboards that are out there. Forget them. You want a guy who's going to actually meet with you and he's licensed on both sides of the river new jersey and pennsylvania so he can help you wherever you are plus he has an office in lansdale montgomery county pa and he has been fighting for people in our region for 25 years getting them what they deserve to maximize their recovery in an accident so what are you waiting for reach out to him today he's my buddy he's a great guy and he is a fighter scopelawyer.com that's where you go s-c-o-p-e lawyer.com the law offices of thomas g scopenich there simply is no one better if you've been hurt in an accident no one better to maximize that recovery and get what you deserve so reach out to him today scopelawyer.com scopelawyer.com t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 